It's time for the Masters of the Universe Chronicles commentary, focusing on a classic episode as we join the hosts, Chris Vint and James Etock, and hear their thoughts on their chosen episode. Hello and welcome to yet another Master Universe Chronicles commentary. Now, of course, it wouldn't be the Chronicles commentary without my good friend, uh, James Bustatoons Etock. Hello to you, James. Hello, Chris. How are you, I- sir? I'm doing very well, thank you, sir. And your good self? I'm very well. I like the way we're talking like we've only just been speaking for um, a minute, when in fact it's probably about 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, maybe you should start calling you the attorney in e-talk. No, that sounds crazy. Okay, fair enough. Because well, people that's, want- that's that idea shot down, folks. So. I remember once I, I read a review of a um, one of the He-Man DVDs, and uh, someone called me the He-Man historian. I was like, that's not fair, because that's what they called me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that. So, James, uh, what episode are we going to be discussing today? Um, it shall be season two, Battle Cat. Battle Cat, awesome. And uh, you have the uh, right uh, episode highlighted, ready to play. I'm just going to go over this for the next few, just to make sure that you know we don't have any mistakes. You know, we I can make mistakes too. You know, so. No, 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 no. We're on. We're we're, we're getting it right this time around. I'm just gonna I'm gonna re-highlight it to make sure I'm doing the right thing. So. Okay. Three, uh, two, one, play. Okay, we go. He man. Okay. Oh, this took a while this time. Bing. Bing. Okay, right. We're 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 bing out, but uh, yeah. we're doing all right. So, James, uh, the Fontanas seem to be um, ones who are highly credited in this episode. The Fontanas. Yeah. Um, DC Fontana, the writer of this episode, is more commonly known as one of the. Uh, I'd say biggest writers of the uh, original Star Trek series and I believe wrote quite a few of the animated episodes as well the funny thing was when when, uh, when she wrote for uh, the original Star Trek series the live action one back in the uh, what 60s I think that was I guess uh, she wasn't a creditor she used pseudonyms because I'd, for some reason I think it I think it was crazily had to do with like women writers or something and it was like you know she had to use a pseudonym because that would not be accepted. I might be going crazy there, and people might criticise me for that. But I think that's, you know, the the way it was, unfortunately, in the uh, industry, which has since changed. And when she wrote Battle Cat, she could use her Dorothy something Fortana. <laughs> Maybe the C stands for like C. It's just like a cool name. Yeah. Okay, so Battle Cat. If you notice, the the interesting thing, which often confuses a lot of people, is the title card for Battle Cat. Is written as one word, whereas obviously, as we uh, Anorak fans should know, Battle Cat is two separate words. Battle Cat, not Battle Cat. <laughs> we're not going to complain much. And here we see uh, a nice little start in Man at Arms Lab, and oh, you know, you know, you know, trouble's going on when uh, Orko has got some jars in front of him, and that because that's some crazy get-up he's got going on. <laughs> I like the fact that he's actually been able to put that all together without actually breaking anything. That's testament to his. his to his skills of only messing <laughs> things up whenever the cameras are rolling on them, so to speak. <laughs> the other thing um, I should mention about this episode is directed by um, Rich Trueblood. And I can't remember if this was his first episode, but he was one of the, uh, I always like to say, the new blood of directors, because you had the original, the existing directors at Filmation that had been working there for a good few years, like uh, Gwen Wetzler, Lou Kachivas, Marshall Lamore, uh, Lou Zuckor, uh, Ernie Ray. These are all people who had directed many, many shows. But um, with He-Man, along comes, uh, at least in the He-Man series, you get uh, 
uh, Rich True Blood is like one of the, the main ones, and then in when She-Ra comes about, you get Tom Taranowitz, Tom Cito, Mark Lamack, and oh god, Bill Bill Nunes or Bill Nunes, I don't know how you pronounce that. But um, the thing about Richard True Blood is, and a lot of these new directors, they they with no disrespect to the the previous directors, they were, I think they were just trying new things. Mm-hmm. So if you look at this episode, there's quite a lot of um, off-stock Orko animation, like just in like just in this shot, you'll see. The way Orko winks at cringes and like salutes as well. It's all very, uh, very fluid and not like Orko's stock poses, you know. Yeah. Especially but, like Man at Arms waving his finger at Orko. Yeah, even stuff like that. It's, it's how you know. I mean, a lot of this is down to the storyboard artist, but it's especially this bit like if you watch Orko here grabbing stuff. You know, there's a lot of uh, very smooth animation. The way he points here, doink. It's, it's so not the typical filmation style. This episode is, is beautifully directed throughout anyway, even though it does tend to, you know, still go back to a lot of stock because Filmation had to, because it's the, their budget uh, remit, or whatever you want to call it, was all about, uh, you know, they had a certain amount of money to spend on each episode, and a lot of it, a certain percentage had to be animation reuse. Actually, one of the things I, 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 can't, I can't recall if Rob Bland mentioned it in his interview was that. On the Brave Star series, he wasn't so much a writer and storyboard artist, but he was in charge of um, almost like making sure Filmation's stock system was a certain percentage per episode. He was like in charge of the stock, and it was. Uh, Speak to him one day. He's got uh, some interesting stories about that. Cool. And here's a. Uh, I, I, this is a bit con- uh, plot convenience, if you ask me. It's like, oh, irrelevantly, Orko's mixes two chemicals, and we get a demon. <laughs> And Adam's like looking up, going, "What? Even I don't buy this." Just use my handy fire extinguisher. Always have one. Trap Johnny did it in um, what Teela's trial. Okay. But the um, one of my uh, long-time uh, good He-Man friends online, Aiden Cross, who's been in the He-Man community since the late 90s, goodness knows where it's when. It's very critical of this episode. Um, and we disagree about it, but one of his main criticisms, which I find I completely agree with, is that usually with a flashback, you have to frame it within the right context. So like, um, uh, I'm trying to think, like in an episode of, like, say, Superman, if Lois Lane is doing an interview with Superman and says, tell me how you came to, crypt, um, to Earth, and he retells his origin. Mm-hmm. Here we get Cringer's origin, but in the most... It's such a far-fetched way, like, you know, Orko makes a mistake with chemicals. Yeah. A man arms is, you should have listened to, uh, you know, my warnings. Let me tell you a story about how Cringer came to be. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it would have made more sense if Cringer's out and there's lots of fireworks going off and he starts carring or, you know, just things in general scare him. And Unfortunately, he's always been that way. Let me tell you how Adam found Cringer and yeah, how he got like- named. Like even like this would be a uh, this is I should just written this scene in my head. I think this is pretty good framing. Like you could have He Man and Battle Cat at the start of the episode. They defeat um, Skeletor or something, and then He Man Battle Cat are sitting there with Orko or whatever, and then so and so turns to him and says, "So you know, what's the deal with you and the giant big cat? <laughs> How did he come about?" And He Man's like, "Well, it'd have to be someone who doesn't know." His, like Orko could ask that, and then he could retell the origin. But to say. My favourite bit of this is when Orko comes in when they come go back to present day, like uh, halfway through the episode. And Orko's like, "I don't know, I don't see what this has to do with me, you know, ruining the." Uh, <laughs> and, and and we're all like, "We agree with you, Orko." <laughs> yeah, I'll get there. 
Um, this is good though. This episode. I mean, you know, the flashback itself is what makes the episode. Either side of it is a bit questionable, but um, but this whole ah, oh, this is. I don't care what people say. Like Simba. Uh, from um, Simba in The Lion King is the yeah, cutest yeah. little animated cat ever. I still think Cringer here is so adorable in a filmation way. It just looks so. Guy. It's just it just looks so cute, and it's the little meows as well. I'm a big fan of cats, so you know this episode uh, when you see a little kitten Cringer, it's like oh here he is. It's the little meowing and the little movement as well. It's like completely limited stock, you know, animation from filmation, but it just works so well. The interesting thing about this episode, um, obviously, we get to see Prince Adam in his youth again, like um, creatures from the Tar Swamp. When um, we hear how Orko came to Eternia, and in that flashback, we had Orko and Cringer roughly maybe a year or two later, but you know, same character models, and Cringer had the ability to speak. Now, throughout this flashback, you get the impression that. Cringer couldn't speak until he was much, much older. Even so, even in this flashback, in, during the flashback, Cringer's only word is Adam when Prince Adam first transforms into He-Man and Cringer's like confused. But um, throughout all this whole flashback, he doesn't talk. But this flashback is so. I love the music and the direction and the staging. If that man arm's face there is like, oh, even man arm's finds a little crack cute. And here we see, if you notice on the far right there, um, three characters. The far right is Prince Jeremy from the Royal Cousin. But in all the following shots, he's coloured as Prince Adam's character, so he's wrong. You'll see him in a sec. He's the one in the close-up, is the Prince Jeremy character, but they've mistakenly coloured him with blonde hair. Almost there like, looks like a junior Malakta there as well. Yeah, little little, little Malakta. <laughs> and, uh, and Taylor as a youth, who we previously saw in... Um, what was it? Uh, uh, Wizard of Stone Mountain. And there, obviously, uh, Cringe, um, Cringer is named by Teela, which is amazing. She calls him a, he's just a Cringer, which, as we know, is an, an insult still used these days, with profanity-laced words either side of it. <laughs> Don't divulge those, please. <laughs> no, no, I won't. Um, and I love this scene as well. I mean, I keep going about you know, much, but I just, what I love about this, it just shows that an early age you know that Prince Adam is destined for something amazing. They could have completely not done this scene, but you see here that Adam has this relationship with the Sorceress way before he, you know, gains the powers of He-Man. It's just... This, to me, is, is a more important story point than any, you know, no disrespect to what's going on at the moment, but King Grayskull and Hero and all these, you know, Wondar and all these people and Ular and all these characters that are pre-He-Man. This, to me, is just a more potent impressive little moment where you find out oh Prince Adam was all you know was destined to become He-Man at a very early age hence he had this connection with Sorceress the only thing we don't find out is how that was initially established because yeah. I would presume that Prince Adam that nobody else knows he talks to Sorceress because that would be weird why do you talk to the glowing face in the wall Prince Adam <laughs> Man of Arms does that's so I do too <laughs> there's Orko's immortal line What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> well, let me tell you another part of the story. In the Tikan jungle. I like the fact that it's Cringer's story, but Cringer is fast asleep it's while like, Man at Arms yeah. is telling the story. Yeah. Cringer's like, I'd like to correct that fact. <laughs> but interesting, I always liked this character. I always thought she was really visually interesting. Purple and blue. Malakta's assistant, who we only ever see in this episode. You'll see her in the next shot as well. You should have saw her from the back there, but uh, we see her here. Where is she? There she is. 
never named in the episode, but in the script and the model sheets, she is known as Elora. E-L-O-R-A. Um, I can understand why she wasn't named in the episode, not an important character, but you see her in shots and you think, oh, you know, as, as, a, as a nerd back in the day, I remember trying to figure out, what's her name? So I just refer to her as Malacta's assistant. <laughs> I should, uh, should mention one other thing. I mean, obviously, you know, there's some cool little scenes coming up. But um, the one interesting thing about this episode, more than anything else, is it completely... I mean, a few aspects of the series deviate from the series Bible, but this episode, more than any other, says, OK, Michael Halperin wrote this in the series Bible for filmation, but this is what we're going to write. Because um, in the series Bible, Cringer's origin takes about two seconds. It's never, exp- it's never explained how they meet, but um, from memory, based in the series Bible, after Prince Adam becomes He-Man for the first time, it's really, I seem to remember, like, his sword fires a bolt of energy, which hits a mountain, bounces back down. Now, bear in mind, this is the weird thing. Cringer is at Teela's feet, running, because apparently he's much smaller, so he's running along. The bolt of lightning hits Cringer. Teela is thrown in one direction, Cringer's thrown in the other. Cringer becomes Battlecat for the first time and rushes to He-Man you know He-Man's side and you think that was his origin you know I, Michael Halperin obviously without him he, He-Man he wouldn't be as rich in kind of fantasy as it could have been but um, oh as it was sorry but that origin is just like you know just so like Blair not, not Blair yeah, it's, very, but, you know, it's very random yeah it's just over before it starts and you know yeah. the other thing was I remember in the series Bible which I don't think I don't think Mattel were maybe too were keeping an eye on things but in the Bible it stated that Cringer is, is a black cat with yellow stripes or or red stripes I think or something and then he becomes Battle Cat which is a cat with you know yellow stripes with uh, green fur very strange there we go here's, yeah and here's where we see why the storyline is based around Orko's thing was the fact that Man at Arms told Tila don't be doing anything and Tila goes nah, I want to go and poke this wall with my sword and get some strange gas in my face but I'll be fine that's a, well no that's, that's exactly the thing I mean it's so it's not even really acknowledged much I always thought this was a really creepy shot when you see the gedge behind the door I always remember thinking as a kid you know things merge into one and I remember thinking oh that was the maybe that was the Shakoti episode I was getting confused with because obviously you've got the door with the face appearing on it but um, I I digress as you say that that kind of is such a weird thing in that you get that one bit of dialogue which is Man I'm saying you know wait till the morning Adam and Teela investigate and that's why Man Arms tells this whole origin story it seems so protracted an idea you think almost like Man Arms could have said Orko don't don't mix chemicals. So basically, once uh, Prince Adam and Teela, um, you know, freed this monster and He-Man pushed it back, and and, and Orko would be like, okay, but this whole <laughs> this whole lengthy origin stuff just does not make any sense. But I'm not complaining because we get one of the best of the series out of it. Here we see Raman, one of my yeah. favorite characters. Weird cameo appearance here. You know, it doesn't doesn't really do much uh, for the episode, but does enough to warrant an appearance. Maybe it's because it's a big door, and you know, with him being in the house of Shikuri as well, you know, like with a big door, maybe that's why. Here, we need a battering ram. Just get ram, man. They should have used him, actually. I do like, he does come up with the best line, one of the best lines of the episode, which is that maybe there was an earthquake, and Taylor's like, I think we would have heard that ram. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Boom. Oh, we should know those uh, two guys there, the model, the character model. If you go back to Trouble in Arcadia, 
That's the character model for the Arcadian Manslaves, as I'm going to call them. There we go, Sorcerer suddenly appears in the episode. The Gedge is loose. This talking is to herself. That's yeah, the first line of madness. <laughs> she talks to herself a lot. Mind you, she turns <laughs> to a bird or a falcon. But um, this whole action scene is so cool. It's like the music and the pace of it is incredible. Because you think, are they going to go back and regroup? But they're constantly on the run. And uh, as it gets, you know, I, I always harp on about the transformation sequence. But this is, you know, by far, in terms of staging, is one of my favourites. Just the way it's shot. You see Teela trying to take care of the thing with freeze rays. Never works. The Gedge is a very cool looking monster as well. Yeah. They could have easily gone back to a uh, you know, a simple monster, a stock monster, but they do a good job here. Here comes Ram Man. No you don't. There he goes. <laughs> Face looks very strange there. Yeah, so that's the stock animation. They never used as much. Here we go, Prince Adam runs in a shot. And I love this shot, it's just incredible cringer watching. It's a very, very cool shot. Yeah. Sorry, I'm starting to watch Transformation. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same here. I'm kind of the same here. Here we go. Easy, it's me, Adam. So that must have been a. Whoops! Yeah. So why you point a sharp object at your cat is beyond me. I always thought that was. Yeah, I mean, that was the only weird thing about that shot is. I can't remember what the script states, but I think he's just like. Almost gesturing, or just like you know, you know, getting out of that pose as it was, and the sword just suddenly, you know, zaps out a bolt of uh, magic or power. Cool shot of Balkaegr. It's very cool. Like, you get the whole theme song and the music. And this is the first time uh, he man a Balkaegr right into battle. Just this epic roar as well. Yes, it's also so Balkaegr. Um, you know, I've often talked about Valkyrie kind of being underused in the series. And the only the only writer who, who gave him proper justice was uh, Douglas Booth in Valley of Power. Mm -hmm. He was the the only writer I thought who gave Valkyrie the personality or the personality he deserved, which was like you know brave, intelligent, and not just He-Man sidekick. You know, and but, the uh, sources is obviously named Cringer Battlecat, and I. That's right. Yeah. It's a little smile there. So it must be the women folk who decide to name the uh, yeah, tigers then? That's weird, I never thought of that. Teela names him Cringer, and Sorcerer's names him Battlecat. A little bit of animation reuse here. That shot of uh, Battlecat leaping off with He-Man on his back was, I think, was used in uh, Wizard of Stone Mountain. If you go back. That's a really cool shot, I love that, because it's one of the few times, well, the only time in the series you see He-Man in that pose on Battlecat's back with his sword of power yeah. out. That'd be a very cool sell to own, but uh, it's probably gone the way of the uh, way of the whatever, way of the widgets. <laughs> whatever that means, I'm not whatever entirely that, sure. I'm gonna start using that. The way of the widgets. Sorry, I keep getting caught up in this episode because <laughs> it, it is such a great little action scene. I remember actually in the UK, this um, that entire the last minute of that episode was completely cut out the first time around. So I remember watching it, and um, when um, when Man at Arms said, "If you go back," when he's talking about you know it will trap us that way, spread out when the Gedge is approaching, when the Gedge roars, 
it oddly cut to that shot there with them with men I'm suddenly dictating grab that and grab that and it's like wait a minute how did the gedge they were in a gorge a minute ago isn't it <laughs> very, very strange thing that's the UK for you when they cut episodes what was the point of that swinging on that vine there I, he's, I, I've never liked that shot I think he's trying to he's trying to grab the attention of the gedge but surely he could just go and wave hello I'm Mr. over Gedge. here <laughs> yeah all the pleasantries Mr. Gedge over here but um yeah, I, I do like this. It's, it's a good idea, this scene. I, you know, the fact they've got to trap the gauge and the thing. Um, as this action scene progresses, I'll just, I'll just quickly talk about how this episode originally ended, which I think I've kind of waxed lyrical a few times about online now. But oddly, in the uh, storyboards I've got for this episode, and in the uh, script, I believe, the um, I mean, I know for a fact in the storyboards, this episode originally ended while still in the flashback, which is really weird. What it happened is, we see this, and then He-Man's like, "You'll be surprised." And then instead of coming back to modern, uh, the present day, there was this scene with Adam and Cringer in the tent um, that we saw earlier in this episode in the flashback, back in the day. And Cringer speaks, and they're saying, you know, uh, is you know, was that kind of is that going to keep happening? Am I going to keep becoming this battle cat? And it's kind of like a bit of sweet ending where Cringer's now got this responsibility he doesn't really want but it, the weird thing is like I say it stays in the flashback um, and it's a very cool ending but this ending I think is uh, I'm going to use the term people might think oh what's he going on about but I think the episode this, the ending to this episode is, is beautiful to put it bluntly as they um, you know he looks up at Zora and you get this you know Prince Adam the dialogue between Prince Adam and uh, Cringer you know without he Battle Cat E-Man would be a lonely fella and then they, they kind of do that hug and it's like oh it's so sweet but it is it's a really lovely saying I'm glad you did old buddy without Battle Cat He-Man would be a lonely fella like make me feel so bad why don't you yeah but I love that it's just it, you know these two characters are like they are like best friends and it's like it's one of the few episodes that kind of really shows that kind of you know the, the bond between them it's, it's a beautiful little saying <laughs> this is the moral wherever we say like about the that looks like Skeletor yeah that's right here it is <laughs> you're right Orko <laughs> it's bad news but no I, I, the, episode, the episode the moral should have been about like maybe uh if someone asks you a question, don't tell a protracted flashback. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it should have been, yeah. Um, I can say this about this episode for a fact. This was one of the um, episodes from 1984 season, which you know was there was season two was a batch of uh, 32 and or 33 and 32 episodes, I think. I'm pretty sure. And this is one of the episodes that was originally that is in the 1984 batch, but is a 1985 episode, as you can see from the credits and the animated mm -hmm. Jawbridge. Um, but yeah, that was uh, one of the best seasons uh, episodes of the series and seasons, um, Battle Cat. Yeah, and as you could see, uh, James and I were um, meant to be. Well, James did the majority of the talking, but I was just sitting there listening to James and watching the episode, and kind of forgot that I meant to contribute as well. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll get in a routine of doing that maybe on the next episode. So, James, thank you for your wealth of information as always. It always continues to uh, impress and shock me of how much you know. So, uh, just a thank you once again. No, thank you for giving me the opportunity to commentate on uh, such an episode. My pleasure. Uh, so, until next time, folks. In today's adventure, Orko was warned not to play with certain bottles. 
Well, Orko didn't listen, and he nearly caused a lot of trouble. There may be containers like this one in your home. This symbol is a warning of poison. Say, that looks like Skeletor. And just like Skeletor, it's bad news. It can make you very sick. So if you see this picture on a bottle or box, it means I'm dangerous, don't touch me. Be a safe person, not a sorry one.